Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. This is part two of our two-part series on languages of the cosmos. With me is Nancy Dutertre, who is the author of How to Talk to an Alien. She is also author of Psychic Intuition, Everything You Wanted to Ask But Were Afraid to Know. In addition, she is a corporate attorney specializing in securities litigation, but she's also a psychic detective, a remote viewer, and a spiritual medium. Welcome again, Nancy. Thank you, Jeffrey. Pleasure to be with you. This is going to be a little bit of an unusual interview because I, I'm going to open up a little more than I normally do myself, talk about my own experience in the domain of exolinguistics because um, I conducted a 10-year study with Ted Owens, the man who is the author of the book uh, How to Contact Space People, and uh, he provided uh, hundreds of demonstrations, and I have in my files about 168 examples of demonstrations in which he claimed that because he, he knew a particular method of communicating with other dimensional beings, he was able to perform various unusual large-scale feats, including weather control, power blackouts, uh, many different kinds of large-scale phenomenon, and including UFO sightings. So, it would seem to me that th this would be a, a kind of case study that would fall right into your research on exolinguistics. Would you agree? I think he did it in a very unusual way. Mm -hmm. my, under my understanding is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but he yeah. had a system that he had developed for communicating, which was a little bit unusual because I think he said you imagine in your mind that you're connecting with these two sort of grasshopper-ish type of beings up in a ship called Tweeter. Tweeter and Twitter? Tweeter and Twitter, yes. They're right. like giant grasshoppers or praying mantises, he said, if you were actually to see them, but they could take other forms and you could think of them as energy beings and he believed they hovered over the earth in a giant invisible UFO. I have spoken with many people who are also in communication and they've told me how many giant UFOs are hanging around the uh Earth's atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So, to me, that already that that piece makes sense to me. Yeah. The communication piece. Now, what he was saying, from my understanding, was you you would mentally send a message to them. You'd show up on some type of a console that they had in their ship. Yes, you would mentally or telepathically communicate whatever it was that you wanted them to do. He even went so far as to draw what he called a PK map. He'd make a picture of what he wanted them to do on his behalf or what sometimes they would tell him, he claimed, telepathically. Now, I have to say at the outset, I, I can't say that I, after 10 years of study, buy into his interpretation. I can't say that I reject it. 
I do know that out of 168 of these demonstrations, uh, maybe two-thirds, over 100 of them, seemed to confirm uh, what he was claiming to do. He would write in advance letters to scientists, including myself, uh, that were postmarked and dated saying what was the particular demonstration going to be about, and then there would be newspaper clippings showing that these events or some similar events actually occurred. So, the, to go back to the communication idea, yes. there were, the alien's way of communicating was simply to create the phenomenon that Ted had said he wanted them to do, but they weren't mm-hmm. actually communicating with other human minds. Other than him. Other than him. No, and let me tell you one other piece of the puzzle. He claimed that they had been observing him and working with him since his childhood. They claimed, or he claimed, he claimed that uh, he had in his life many different professions. This is not a claim. This is true. Mm -hmm. He worked as a high-speed typist. He worked as, he called it an idea man for a railroad. He worked as a researcher in J.B. Rhine's parapsychology laboratory at Duke University in the 1940s. He was a a bullwhip artist in a a circus. He had a knife-throwing act. He had been a jazz drummer in a nightclub, and he claimed that it was necessary for him to have had all of these occupations in order that his mind would be flexible enough to... Uh, deal with their complex symbolic system and, and the communication. And also, I think maybe there was something, uh, he also claimed they abduct, abducted him at one point and operated on his brain to make it possible for him to engage in these communications. And I know a number of people who also have said similar things, mm-hmm. that they've had their brains operated on. And many of them have the uh, x-rays to prove it. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting, because I, I read I, uh, somewhere, I think, in, in your book, that as a young child, he had a quote-unquote imaginary friend who was a woman with red hair. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because it reminded me all of a sudden of uh, different reports, and I think Villas Boas in Brazil was one yes. of them, who he got abducted and the woman had the bright red hair. Mm-hmm. And who was forced to have sex with him. He was forced him. to have sex with him. Yes. But there are a lot of reports you go around the world where they mm-hmm. talk about alien encounters with aliens with bright red hair. Mm-hmm. And I know I also know somebody who's had that experience. Yeah. So it makes you think, okay, that that sort of makes sense that there would have been a training period. Mm-hmm. Now, the other unique thing about this case is that Owen's referred to himself at times as the PK man, meaning he engaged in psychokinesis, that these effects, even though he had alien friends and a UFO causing them, were actually also in his mind, he was creating them through his psychokinesis. At other times, he called himself the Earth's ambassador, that uh, mm-hmm. it's really not him, it's, it's these alien entities doing it. And I bring this up because uh, I know amongst many psychics uh, who have these uh, unusual abilities, uh, 
many of them are hesitant to take credit, like it would be too egotistical. It, it's, they're more comfortable having a um, what some call a psychic support figure, some other dimensional uh, or alien being who does these things, rather than uh, saying, okay, I'm producing it myself. Because obviously, it's if, if they are producing it themselves, it's not coming from the level of ego. It has to come from some deeper part of uh, the mind. I think once you start claiming credit mm -hmm. or you're allowing your ego to get right in the middle of it, you're in a big danger zone. And Ted and, Owens was a, a very egotistical man. I, and I think you have to be, and what was mm -hmm. interesting, I also read that he apparently, when he was very young, was studying witchcraft and voodoo. Now, I know from people who get involved in witchcraft, voodoo, Ouija boards, or contacting anybody or anything mm -hmm. out there, I know people have gotten in actual physical uh, danger and harm. Yeah. Yes. And uh, they've not had good results. So if you're starting to claim credit, there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's a, there's a danger. However, what I also mm -hmm. thought was interesting was that you talk about his method uh, as being, uh, to, in other words, to create, say, a weather phenomenon like mm -hmm. uh, lightning or storms, yeah. to say, you know, rain, storm, lightning, and to almost overlay your mental concept mm -hmm. onto um, the, the clouds. Yeah, yes, which, or which, he would, as I say, draw a picture and concentrate on that picture, sending it to them. Which is exactly, by the way, and I, I think we both know Uri Geller, mm -hmm. he does that. Uri Geller, the famous Israeli psychic. Right, mm -hmm. and when I am... Who also claimed to have contact with alien entities. Exactly. Yes. When I asked him, I said, well, when you're doing this, you know, his spoon bending thing, yeah. I said, well, what is it that's going on in your mind? What are you doing? And he said, I'm just mentally basically screaming, bend, bend, bend. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a mental overlay, which means there is an energy coming somewhere from within, even yeah. if it's being helped from without. Mm -hmm. Now, my own thinking about Ted Owens is that uh, the psychokinetic aspect is, ha has to be taken seriously. Uh, many times he called himself the PK man and claimed it. Uh, I think that uh, psychokinetic abilities are very likely widely distributed in the population, that we have more powers than we imagine, and that uh, humanity may be you know, growing into a, a phase where uh, more and more people with such abilities will come forward. And right now, it's, you know, the rare individual, a Ted Owens or an Uri Geller, but in several generations from now, we, we may find that it's rather common. I finally learned how to bend a spoon. Mm -hmm. with hardly not touching it. Mm -hmm. I know that they've been having spoon-bending parties for decades now. Mm -hmm. People are definitely starting to understand their powers, mm -hmm. and I do believe that's that's one of them, the psychokinetic powers. Now, Ted Owens, in one instance, claimed he was going to use PK to cause a UFO sighting, and he called me up one day, and he said, I can feel it. It's going to be really strong. You're going to get a UFO sighting like you've never seen. It will be witnessed by hundreds of people. It will be photographed, and the photograph will be published on the front page of one of the local newspapers in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that actually happened. 
was one of the most well-attested sightings in history. It was videotaped, and the videotape was shown on the local TV station. I actually have a copy today of, of that videotape, and I've spoken to witnesses. It was seen simultaneously by hundreds of people on the ground and in the air. But I think it's entirely possible that Ted Owens created that psychokinetically, that it was a projection of his own mind. And at the same time, it then takes on an objective reality. There are cases in the literature, the Tibetans call it the tulku, where you visualize a person and that person can be seen by other people. You might think like an apparition, but it takes on a life of its own at some point after it's been psychokinetically generated. Uh, so I think a lot of what we call uh, alien UFO phenomenon may well be the ourselves, in effect. I think that's a really, really interesting theory. I have another theory mm -hmm. that I would just toss out sure. there, which is, um, you know, uh, one of... Jung coined the uh, term synchronicity. Yes. And one of his favorite quotes was from one of my favorite books, which was Alice Through the Looking Glass. And I think it was the, the white queen who said to Alice something like, you know, what a poor memory if it only goes backwards. Yeah. Well, think about having a memory going forwards. We call that clairvoyance or precognition or mm -hmm. something like that, which is very much involved in these kinds of phenomena. Well, if you could... Um, if you could rearrange all of our space-time location in such a way that you could bring it closer to where that event happening, mm -hmm. then you've, you've sort of moved all of us, or you've moved it to us mm -hmm. in terms of the space-time fabric. Yeah. I know people, for example, there's a, a, a British uh, psychic detective, very well-known, um, who, what he does, uh, when he's trying to find something is he will dream about it. Mm -hmm. And th then he'll use the dream to go backwards in time. Mm -hmm. it, it's a forwards backwards thing yeah. in time. That's very interesting. And, and, uh, we get now into an area where there's clearly a mystery. Here, there's Absolutely. clearly a paradox. Yeah. Sometimes it looks like precognition, sometimes or backwards causality, or bending the space-time fabric, or sometimes it may appear to be aliens, sometimes it may appear to be psychokinesis. Uh, we don't really know. And uh, reality itself may be so elusive that the human brain, the human consciousness, can't really quite get its finger on it. I, I mean, quantum physicists have the same problem interpreting <laughs> their own yes, data. Yes, they do. There are many different interpretations these days of quantum physics. Is yeah. it uh, uh, particles moving backwards through time, or is it multi-dimensions? Yeah. Uh, there's, they're, they're debating these things as, as well. Uh, Absolutely. The mystics of every culture say, you know, that we are one with the whole universe. So, uh, uh, it wouldn't be surprising to think that if there are aliens out there, we, they are also us at some deep level. Yeah, they, they are us. I think no matter how much they don't look like us, I think they 
you know, on that level that you're talking about also, we're all, you know, it's the same idea of breathing uh, Julius Caesar's uh, last breath. We're mm-hmm. all still breathing it, and uh, we're all connected with uh, every species out there, which I think is part of the message, by the way, of alien communication, which is take care of your planet, because mm-hmm. it's our planet as well. I think that's very important. That is a message uh, that comes across through various channel sources. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in the Ted Owens case, he also said that uh, they were using him as an experiment on their end, that they wanted to see how uh, human people would react to someone who was given the powers that he had. And in general, maybe it was his personality. He wasn't the most socially skilled person. He, he had a, a way of uh, walking into, for example, the offices of the San Francisco Chronicle and Examiner and saying, here I am, the great PK man, the great UFO prophet, and I'm going to do a demonstration for you. And they just kick him right out. Well, he needed language skills with yeah. his fellow humans. If he'd figured out a way to say that in a way that was yeah. a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. or where his ego wasn't quite so involved, yeah. they, he might have been able to pull them along to listen. That's the, that's the name of the game. But if you walk in there and say, oh, you know, I can do stuff that you've never thought about doing, mm-hmm. you, you're going to get laughed at. I think what was um, dangerous about him was his temperament. And yeah. if the experiment was to see if humans could handle huge amounts of unusual powers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they picked the right guy because he apparently liked to take, he, he liked vengeance. Uh, yes, when people laughed at him or treated him scornfully, which they tended to do, he, he felt maybe he needed to teach them a lesson. And, and that happened repeatedly. Yeah, so, so what are we supposed to know about that? What's the lesson in that? Well, for me, the lesson is to treat everybody with respect. Uh, because lots of people are arrogant, and uh, one doesn't know what powers may lie underneath their arrogance. Uh, that's one lesson. But going back to what you said earlier about communication, uh, I think I have good communication skills. Mm-hmm. I've had radio and television shows now for nearly 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember an occasion in which I sat down with a reporter, a friendly reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle after this whole episode with Owens had taken place. And I was with, at the time, a a man, a a wealthy citizen from San Francisco who personally knew the reporter. And in a calm, measured way, I tried to describe what was happening. And this reporter in the middle of the conversation, said, I can't believe any of this, and he just stood up and walked away. I mean, so, some things are just too much for people to absorb. I don't know whether you've ever had this experience, but in the process of my learning how to be become mm-hmm. psychic and in the paranormal world, ufology and stuff, I have gone through periods of time where I've had the most incredible headaches 
because my mind was attempting mm-hmm. to incorporate all the, this information that yeah. I was getting, I literally, it hurt my head. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very gentle when it comes to trying to explain these things yeah. to people who don't have much exposure. It's a long process. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's very hard, and you need to know, you have to establish certain baselines all along the way. And if you don't have those baselines, of course, it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, it does indeed. Uh, but getting back to Ted Owens' language, the pictures that he drew, some of them were quite literal. You know, if he wanted, well, it was even worse because there were times when he might be accidentally concentrating on a particular picture, not meaning to create an effect, and the effect would occur. Mm. Oh, anyway, interesting. Yeah. and and it had to do to to some extent with his ego. There were there was an article written about him, for example, in Saga magazine, mm-hmm. and it had to do with a case in which he had created uh, disturbances on a radar installation over the Chesapeake Bay, blips on the radar screen, and I have an affidavit from the radar operator saying, yes, Ted Owens came in and he said he could cause disturbances on the radar, and sure enough, it happened. And then within weeks after that, there were several plane crashes in Chesapeake Bay of mm. military aircraft that uh, Something happened to cause them to crash. And a, a famous science writer of the era, um, Otto Binder, wrote an article about all of this in Saga magazine with a picture of a plane being knocked down by lightning, which was one of Owen's signature things, lightning. He, he was known for pointing his finger and lightning would strike. And anyway, on another occasion... Here is Ted Owens flying back to New York from Egypt, where he had been. One of his wealthy sponsors had taken him to Egypt to experiment with the pyramids. And he's flying back to New York on an Eastern Airlines flight, coming into, I think it was LaGuardia Airport, and he's drunk or drinking in first class, and he's got the magazine article with the picture of a plane being struck by lightning, (laughs) and he's showing off for the flight attendant. See, that's me. I'm the guy who knocked that plane down, Uh and he's concentrating on it. And as they're coming in and approaching the airport, the plane just ahead of them was struck by lightning and crashed. Ooh. Wow. Oh, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Wow. So, you know, he claims it was an accident. He didn't mean to do well, it. there's also, I mean, uh-huh. d- most people know about the, the Pauli effect. Yes, Wolfgang Pauli. Yes, right. that's a very interesting effect. And, right, the idea was he couldn't walk into a room full of equipment without making everything malfunction uh-huh. or, or the lights People break. People tell the story this way. They say that theoretical physicists, which Pauli was a Nobel Prize winning physicist, are bad at experiments. And Pauli was such a good theoretical physicist that every time he entered into the laboratory, the equipment would malfunction. <laughs> Yeah. That, that was his reputation. In a, one instance, as I recall, he was just passing through Copenhagen on a train when the equipment in Niels Bohr's laboratory yes. began to malfunction. Right. <laughs> Niels Bohr said, oh, Pauli must be passing through town, and indeed he was. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly, but so so that it that ability that electrifiability that we seem to have yeah. seems to be related to our feelings, mm-hmm. to our thoughts. Yes, uh, and we all have it. I mean, I know I'm sure you know plenty of people. You walk under uh, streetlights and the streetlights go out, as apparently happened to Ted Owens also. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can't pick up a telephone or work a computer or something without breaking it. Some people seem to have that ability, that equipment malfunctions around them. But that's an electrical capacity. And if what he was doing was simply harnessing that Mm -hmm. through his mind, Mm -hmm. and maybe he was somehow in some way more electrical than most of us, then he was able to target it. The question that always comes back to me with him is, is... if the aliens were using him for some purpose, mm-hmm. what was the purpose? What were they trying to tell us by virtue of this, these, these phenomenal things he was doing? Well, it's not clear to me, as I say, that it was aliens. I often wonder if it was only his psychokinesis. But what he seemed to be saying is that he was like the canary in the coal mine. They wanted to see, are, is humanity ready to deal with this level of phenomenology? And maybe uh, he also claimed that it took, uh, that they waited hundreds of years to find somebody who had a constitution strong enough to stand all of this. And and in a way, he was larger than life, like Paul Bunyan or Pecos Bill, uh, always getting into trouble and uh, able to hear this big, booming voice sort of person, uh, almost like a mythical character in a way. But uh, I don't have any final answers. I have as many questions about it as, as I did when I first began the research. It was certainly uh, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting character. Yeah. And I know people who receive these downloads. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they are apparently even, and these are, they would qualify in the genius range of people, just yeah. like Ted Owens. Mm-hmm. And they have real problems capturing the information coming in. Mm-hmm. So, whatever he was saying in terms of his quali- being qualified to do it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you seem to be suggesting that uh, if we look at the whole horizon out there, there are other examples of people who are more or less actually like this guy, and uh, it would behoove all of us to pay more attention to that to see what we can learn. Also, and one thing that I, I, I agree with that, absolutely. One other thing, I learned in becoming a psychic mm-hmm. that the best way to do it was to always, when I came to a dead end in my normal everyday thinking, ask myself the question. And the question was always absurd, so I'd always stop, say, well, I'm not going to ask that. That's ridiculous. Ask the question. Mm -hmm. Once you ask the question, you've pushed the envelope and the boundary of your own conscious awareness. And and what is the question? doesn't matter what the question Uh is. Ask whatever if, if you want an answer mm-hmm. and you arrive at a point where you say, well, there is no answer, yeah. ask the question ah. and wait to hear the mm-hmm. answer. Well, you know what, Nancy? I'm going to keep asking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get that answer. Maybe at some future broadcast, our viewers will hear uh, another report from me. Yeah. Good. Stimulated by you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with me. This has been a delight. Thank you. And thank you.
for being with us. Thank you.